Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. But where in Portland? Asked Dimity in Denver, who is in her studio basement. (laughs) Yes, and now I too am in a studio basement. We've had some changes around here at the Another Mother Runner podcast, which makes me then even see it different. We have a new logo. So a um, new logo. We might have some new tunes coming up at some point. We yeah. heard uh, who wanted to record for us. I, I know that there was kind of a, a bidding war. With, it was Bruno Mars and who was the other person? Uh, the Decembrists versus you know since we're going to go with a Portland band, it was either Slater Kinney or the Decembrists. You know they both oh, have new. Well, they both have... <laughs> it might be um the, the who's who's the good band from Denver. Oh, come on. That sings ho, hey, the Lumineers. The Lumineers. Oh, I was going to say Big Hod, Big Ted, Big Head Todd, aren't they? I think they're from Denver, too, maybe. They're like 1982, though. That's okay, lot. sorry, sorry. What's going on? They do a still retro. tour. They do still tour. But. And so I used to go down, I used to do, by Portland standards, the long drive to get to the studio. So I'm very pleased we now have a what, small... What's a long drive by Portland standards? I just <laughs> I gotta is, know. Um, 12 minutes. <laughs> oh, Sarah. Oh my God. No, there are I, mother I, runners listening that have to go 12 minutes just to get to a grocery store. Yes. So uh, typically I, uh, you know, it could take 15 and 15 is kind of the cut, the break mark in Portland is uh, what's deemed a long drive or not. And oh so, so I'm very pleased that we now have our podcast has a smaller carbon footprint and... <laughs> Um, so now I just go downstairs to the basement, but we do not have much set up yet. So before we started recording, I was like, Hey, Alex, you want me to put some pillows in the window so that they'll cut down our sound with Alex, our producer, who is sitting on a, um, child's chair from our little art studio, little, little art room that we have down here. His knees are in his nose. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you very much. Well, yeah. And so we're super excited because, um, although we lost the recording studio and Sarah's, really onerous commute. I mean, you know, you probably had to get in a sane lane for that. Um, we got to keep the best part of the podcast, which is Alex. And Alex, I, don't, I know I know your last name, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Can you want to share? Ward. Ward. Alex, this is Alex Ward. Ward. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. All who, right. who is the, you know, he has uh, a beard just like every, you know, good Portland uh, man in his 20s does. Yeah, okay, my mustache, though. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did have quite a noticeable stash, more so than the than the beard. So. Uh, and how, how, old, how old are you, Alex? I'm 26. And are you are you a mother runner? Always. <laughs> in spirit, Since right? day one. All right. All right. So we got a 26-year-old bearded guy. Do you have, you have a girlfriend, don't you? Yes. So at least you can kind of a little bit, you know, empathize when we talk and, about our husbands. No, no, I, I, I do have to share um, an anecdote about Alex. So last week when we were recording, Dim, you and I were talking about um, you coaching basketball, Amelia, your daughter's basketball team. And when it was over, I said something to Alex and he said, oh, he, he was so excited to have kids because then he could coach basketball. And uh, I said, he's like, oh, that's such a terrible reason to want to have kids. I'm like, please, I had kids so that I could read the Little House series to them out loud. So, I mean, there there are, you know. <laughs> Lots of reasons to have them. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Alex, thank you. because So, your carbon footprint has now shifted to, you know, how long does it take for you to drive to Sarah's house, Alex? I do it in five. 
Oh, <laughs> he okay. actually lives. He lives near where Pagatine was. So I guess our carbon footprint has stayed the same, unfortunately. Oh, okay. I'll start, I'll start biking. I'll start okay, biking. you could bike, and also maybe you could do some errands so that you know. Then you know, I don't know. You could stop at the library or Whole Foods or something on the way home. So, yes, uh, yeah, and it's it's just it's very close quarters. It's in our guest bedroom, which is um, also where I package our online store orders so i'm surrounded by you know our amr brochures and um half folded sweatshirts and it's harder not to fidget, visor. Right? yes it is and also because now i sit in a squeaky chair so i i really am trying not to fidget so oh, yeah it's hard i mean so standing up i stand up first of all so that helps i have a standing desk though but um but yeah i mean you will i you kind of kind of have to focus a little bit because i'm looking around and i'm like oh i need to throw that away and, oh, oh goodness file that and you know oh it is harder. it is it's very hard i had to really close things down and then also i mean i i could reach out and you know hit alex in the face right now if i want to and so you know i'm like oh okay my i have a runny nose and it's like oh that's so pleasant here i am he's right here and i'm like trying to like stick tissue up my nose so it doesn't run down my face <laughs> it's all right you're like a 40 something you know married mother runner you, yeah. you, this, this port, portlander wants nothing but our podcast yeah. So. Yeah. So. Um, awesome awesome so, well, so i gotta share one little tidbit of news um ooh. since uh we just brought up the basketball and uh just because i hope that people can sympathize because oh yeah i was crushed on was it Wednesday of last week or Thursday? I can't Thursday. remember. It was Thursday. Mm-hmm. Thursday. Uh, Amelia's team lost 44. 44, two fours, two, two. They got one basket the whole time, my daughter's team. I, it is so wrong. It is so <sighs> wrong that the coach then didn't like bring out his players that needed building up, he, that he didn't say pass a whole bunch before you take he, a shot. He may have. He may have. Oh, but boy. I think we are so defeated at that point that there was just – you know, and that was, you know, what I was talked, I talked to you about this earlier, mm-hmm. but I mean, the, the hard part for, for me and the other coach was like, what do you say? You know, I mean, we went into the locker room, they had, okay. So it was this massive middle school, oh, yeah, you middle do. school <laughs> bigger than the high school that I went to in Minnesota. They had 12 cheerleaders, six to eighth grade <laughs> girls basketball team has 12 cheerleaders in full uniform, like, you know, top to bottom, pom poms, oh, sweaters, goodness. all of that, the matching shoes. I mean, this was a very affluent or they, their funding was quite robust. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So they had a, and it was a brand new gym, you know? And so we had, we got to go to the boys locker room and Miss Campbell was like, this game is not over. You guys can score 24 points. And I'm just like biting my cheeks. I'm like, you know what? They can't. <laughs> I just, I'll just tell you right now they can't, you know, but then we had a pep talk and I was, you know, I didn't have like a Kevin Costner, you know, feel the dreams moment, but I was like, you guys, this is what being an athlete is about is when you want to quit and nothing is going your way and, you know, you've got to find something in yourself and keep working towards it and keep mm-hmm. fighting and be a team. And, but, oh God, it was just, I mean, and Amelia, of course, my little sensitive Amelia, like cried the whole way home. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was just, oh, if I could turn back time and just not play if that I game. Could turn back time. Oh, sorry. I was having a little share yeah. moment there. They probably, probably had like halftime entertainment with share. That's the kind of, you know, <laughs> right. quality of school right. you're playing. Right. With a anyway. costume designed by Bob Mackey. Um, exactly. Exactly. So the good news is that we have an off week this week. We have a bye week. So we just have practice. So thank God. So, Dim, I got to tell you, though, your daughter was not the only one who cried on the way home from a game. And oh, no. What happened? So I have to say, so Daphne's team, though, was the one that came out on top her team won 24 to 8 but Daphne cried the whole way home because she feels nobody passes to her she's the only girl on the team that doesn't go to 
the school where most of them do. It's not a school team. It's a parks and rec team, but uh-huh. she's the only non Laurelhurst girl there. And um, she's not the tallest and she's not the best shot. She's not the best at shooting. And so she, oh my goodness, she cried, you know, as we were walking, she looked around when we got out on the um, sidewalk as we we're walking toward the car and she looks around, no one's near us. And she started to cry and cried on the oh, drive home. So and oh. yeah, so, um, oh, life lessons through sport, huh? Oh, Both I know. Got it, right. Oh, I, well, I did think that I was like, okay, these are, you know, and then I was talking to Molly, my running partner about it. And she said, you know, in this age where everybody gets a participation ribbon or whatever, she's like, you yeah. know, sometimes it's good to learn some hard life lessons. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. That's what I said to the girls, my, you know, the Highline team. I said, you know what, you guys will take away so much more from this game than the other team will, you know, mm-hmm. um, as far as just wanting it more, hopefully yeah. <laughs> we'll see it today at practice, but <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And it's so hard because you want, you want to have that Kevin Costner moment, right? You want to say the exact right thing and kind of have their eyes light up and be like, Oh, you're right, mom. I, yeah, you're right. You know, or I, I hear you at least. And I, you know, and not, and I'm going to stop crying now, but that's not really how it happens, or it didn't happen in our car. Oh, oh, it's not. oh, it's not. Oh no, there was yeah. nothing. And you know, and then I was like, oh, and now you know. Then of course she came home from school yesterday and didn't want to go to practice, and yeah, you know. Oh. And so I've been debating, you know, whether or not to email the coach because I don't want to be quote unquote that mother, you know, that yeah, does that. Yeah. And so anyway, so oh. Molly, Molly kind of gave me some tips on how she thinks I could word it. So I um, need to take a break from from work and, and send that email out. So, definitely, definitely. Um, so um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to introduce our special guest that we are having on the show today. Hi, this is Terja calling from Longmont, Colorado. I am a mother runner and mom of second grade boy girl twins. I'm here to give a shout out to audible.com for supporting another mother runner radio. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. I recently listened to the classic To Kill a Mockingbird on my commute to work. I'm a librarian, and I thought I'd read To Kill a Mockingbird enough times to have it memorized, but it really does bring it to life to hear a great actress like Sissy Spacek read a book you thought you knew so well. And honestly, I just wanted to sit in my car and keep listening when I was supposed to be at work. And uh, I'm a librarian and I love my job. So to say a book was uh, resurrected for me in that way is a big deal. For a free download of an audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. 
Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. Let's bring on our next guest on the, on the version two of the AMR podcast. Um, we have Miss Allison Overholt. She is the second SCAS. From Tales from Another Mother Runner. She is a writer, a mother of one who lives also in Connecticut, but we don't have to play The Wives Are in Connecticut again by Carly Simon, unless you want to, Alex. Do you want to? <laughs> he's, he's not. He's shrugging his shoulders. He's not so sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I just, you know, anyway. Um, so she is the editor-in-chief of ESPNW, which is um, the women's part of the sports empire that it is. Um, she's also written for O, oh, The Oprah Magazine, More, Fortune, other publications. Super talented writer. She was a high school basketball player who has, thankfully for our purposes, morphed into a runner. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. Good, good, good. So for starters, uh, share your athletic background with us, especially the part about how you are a reluctant runner at first. Uh, I am eternally a reluctant runner, which feels strange to say, given that you're hosting me on your running podcast. <laughs> um, you know, I was always an athletic kid. I did all sorts of different sports growing up. Um, had to be informed sometime in sixth grade that I was far too tall to ever make it in gymnastics. So that was a sad day for me. Um, I fell into playing basketball by accident, uh, because I was the tallest kid in the room. I, I went, uh, to tryouts in middle school with my best friend to keep her company. And they pointed at me and they said, we want that one. Cause I was so much bigger than everyone else. So that's I have no actually... idea what you're talking about. No idea. <laughs> well, and I grew up overseas in Hong Kong. So you can imagine the height difference oh. there. If you're, you know, I was essentially five ten, you know, in middle school. Um, and they were, they were thinking, wow, we hit the jackpot. I think I showed up to my first practice wearing Keds because I literally had no idea anything about basketball. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it very quickly became my life. And it was just, it suited me really well, you know, personality-wise, um, you know, physical skills-wise. I was definitely like a sprinter, jumper type. Um, got a rush from blocking shots. It was basically the most fun thing in the world to me. Um, and then, you know, whenever we'd have to go out on those conditioning runs, I, I think the word conditioning just it still kind of gives me PTSD because, uh, you know, that was the moment where our coach would send us out, you know, and I, I mentioned I lived in Hong Kong. And so our school was on the edge of this country park and we'd run down you know, the stairs to the field and we'd cross the street into the park. And, you know, it was basically like I just felt like I was, you know, being sent off into a jungle to die because I just just could not run. 
Um, and, you know, once a quarter we had to do those mile testing runs in, in high school gym class. And, you know, I would just kind of shake my head and the gym teacher would be like, what kind of an athlete are you? You know, come on, you got to be able to do this faster than that. And um, it just always felt like the day that I wanted to come up with some excuse where, where I could stay home and, and not actually have to do it. So it's incredibly ironic to me that now, you know, I would kill for the chance to go for a run every single day. Um, you know, it's the sport that I spend the most time with and, and, you know, it still feels a little strange to me to say, Hey, I'm a runner, but you know, I think I'm finally growing into that. Well, so tell us how, how did you become a runner then? It's been kind of a, you know, a start and stop thing for me. Um, really early on in my career, I moved out to San Francisco to write for fast company magazine. Um, and I didn't know anybody. And up to that point in my life, basketball was kind of my entree to making friends. So, you know, I played competitive, you know, basketball in high school. I thought about going to college on a scholarship, um, you know, ended up just playing intramurals. But literally, I would just go to, you know, gyms and play pickup. And that's what I did when I moved to D.C. after college. I made friends, you know, heck, I think I met boyfriends just playing pickup hoops. <laughs> and then I, I moved to San Francisco and it just didn't seem like anybody did that. Um, you know, everyone was always leaving work to go mountain biking um, or trail running or something. And it wasn't a culture that I was familiar with. And then one day I was walking into this restaurant um, and I saw a pamphlet for um, it was it was for the, the San Francisco um, AIDS Foundation. So it's very similar to team and training um, where, you know, they agreed to train you if you agreed to raise funds. And then, you know, at, at the end of it, it was the Hawaii Marathon. So the Honolulu Marathon. And, you know, I was 24 years old. I had no money. Um, and I thought, my gosh, you know, I could get in shape and I could meet some people. And if I raise money, they're going to send me to Hawaii. So what <laughs> the hell? You know, I was like, win, what? win, win. Yeah. Um, so I literally walked into my office the next day and I really didn't know anybody at that point. I think I'd been working there for a couple of weeks. And I walked into the offices of the women who worked with me and I said, is there anyone who would do this for me? Um, and two of them said yes. And they are still to this day, two of my, you know, my best running friends. Um, and we get together for races and stuff. So we trained that year. Um, I was an idiot. I was, you know, 20, 24, I was 25 at the point that we ran the marathon. Um, I didn't keep up with my training properly. I ended up finishing it with, um, a stress fracture in, in one of my shins. And oh, no. honestly, God, I didn't run again for years. Um, so it was sort of funny because it started this huge running thing for the two women that I ran with. Um, but I actually didn't really do any significant running after that until um, after I had my 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 daughter, um, which is actually what I write about um, in my essay for your book. Um, because at that point, you know, I, I was I had moved back to the East Coast. I kind of returned to playing pickup basketball. Um, you know, my husband and I used to play in a league together in uh, New York City. Um, and then, you know, we moved out of the city to the suburbs and I had a little bit of the same experience that I did in San Francisco, where it seems like the suburban mom scene wasn't really into pickup. <laughs> they're not, they're not dividing up by centers and guards and, and yeah. all those things. <laughs> it was, you know, it was such a wonderful community that I lived in, but it was all a little foreign to me. You know, everybody already had kids. Um, everybody wore Lululemon, you know, they're kind of like going to yoga and spin class. And I was like, every time I try to do yoga, I just fall over and look like an idiot. Um, you know, so I was just really struggling to find something that kept me active and that made me feel the way sports have always made me feel, which is that, you know, I can be strong and I can accomplish something. And, 
um, you know, feel like I'm kind of moving from one goal to the next. So, you know, after my daughter was born, I was like, all right, it's been about 10 years. Maybe it's time for me to try this running thing again. <laughs> I think it's time it stuck though. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like it did. So, so I think then, then I think we need to lead right into your essay. We we're going to ask you a couple other questions, but I think, I think you just served it up on a platter there for us. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Just like a nice, a nice uh, layup, right? So, uh, so we divided Tales from Another Mother Runner into seven sections, kind of seven core values or seven traits that running gives you. And I Dreamed You Were Running is in the strength section, um, which has the kind of the subtitle of you are more badass than you thought because, Allison, you had a lot of strength um, coming at you from your mother, right? And your new daughter um, yeah. as you kind of navigated a new world as far as your relationships and your running went. So, um, so you want to read a part of the essay for us? Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, so it's called uh, I Dreamed We Were Running. My mom died when I was five months pregnant. She and I both thought she'd beat the cancer, and we were looking ahead to Thanksgiving, planning a weekend of crib shopping and celebratory feasting. But a week after her last chemo treatment and the day after leaving me a raspy-voiced message where she whispered, it hurts, Allie. The treatments are always hard, but it's really bad this time. She passed away from a pulmonary embolism. Her body just couldn't take it anymore. The rest of my pregnancy still seems like some movie I watched at three in the morning. I know I was there, but the details are hazy, and there are bits I'm pretty sure I just skipped entirely. I recall a lot of snow that winter, a lot of phone calls about estate logistics, a lot of long hours at a job I couldn't quite remember why I was doing. Then, a lot of her furniture and boxes arriving a couple weeks before the baby was born, turning my house and my life into something that felt like it didn't quite belong to me anymore. And then, joy. The quote-unquote baby. The baby was our daughter, Madeline, and she was here, born the day after my mom's birthday. All the cliché things people said were true. After death, there was life. After the months of winter darkness, spring was here again, and with it, the light of this new life in the world. After all the crying, well, there was more crying. But these were the tears of a brand new person, and also my own as I recovered from delivering that new life, then tried to figure out how to breastfeed it. Maddie was this incredible presence, and I couldn't shake the superstitious feeling that some of my mom's huge personality had gone right into this tiny little girl. I also couldn't stop thinking about how I wanted things to be different for her and for me than they'd been for my mom. I wanted to be healthy for her, to have energy to share all the adventures I wanted us to have together. In the first months after Maddie arrived, I worked hard to shed my baby weight, and I felt good when 25 pregnancy pounds disappeared thanks to healthy eating and doing workout videos during her naps. But I'd put on 40 pounds on top of the extra I'd already been carrying. And after that early weight loss success, my efforts stalled. That hyperdrive button, still in full effect. The plane trips and the doctor's visits for my mom had simply given way to feedings and changings, mountains of laundry, and more doctor's visits, just different ones. Throw in my husband's travel schedule and my own work deadlines and the feeling that life didn't quite belong to me was starting to feel permanent. I stood in the kitchen one morning when Maddie was about 18 months old, holding my coffee in one hand and my own thyroid pill in the other, and I thought, this is how it happens. Mom's struggle to, quote, do something about it didn't seem so simple anymore. I wished so much for just one moment, one chance to tell her I understood now how hard it was. I also thought about how I wanted to share something better with my daughter, 
to pass on along more than a fraught medical history and a mirror avoidance habit. So I started running to clear my head, to get fit again, to just do something about it. Excellent, excellent job, Allison. Mm -hmm. um, and we could hear your emotion come through at the very beginning. And oh, we're very yeah. sorry about the sorry. loss of your mother. I still remember that. Um, and uh, I love, I love not that I love that you lost your mom, but I love that they, her and Madeline are so closely intertwined, right? Yeah, it's, it's such a strange thing. She, uh, now that she's almost four, she asks me about my mom all the time. And she talks about her like she knows her, which is something that you know, it sort of makes me feel like navigating all this stuff, you know, has helped us process that, you know, that transition. And, um, you know, it's funny how much my daughter feels connected to running and feels like it's just kind of a part of, of our relationship, which is something that, you know, is really meaningful to me. Oh, of course. Of course. Were you a, were you a stroller pusher? I can't remember. You know, I wasn't. I, I always meant to be. Um, I, I, had a <laughs> I had it on my list and I just never got to cross it off. It's one of those things where I just never felt like I could get the hang of it. Um, my neighbor across the street was a, a running stroller person. She had handed hers down to me. I think I tried it once and I just felt like I never really got into a rhythm. So my runs ended up being, you know, the times that were just for me. Um, you know, so it would end up being this thing where if my husband was, was with Maddie, I'd go off for a run when I started training really significantly um, for races, that would be the time where I would spend money on babysitting. Um, and I'd have somebody come over on Saturday mornings for a couple hours and I would just kind of go out and have that time just for myself. So it was always sort of funny to come home, you know, and then when, when Maddie started talking more, you know, she'd say, why are you so sweaty? You know, don't hug me, you're sweaty. <laughs> um, but whenever she'd see me in those clothes, she'd say, oh, mommy's going for a run. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're smart little buggers that way. Yep. Uh, yeah. So you, so you mentioned, uh, started training for races. So what's your favorite race distance? You know, it's funny. I think maybe the half marathon, which feels a little bit like a cliche at this point. Cause I keep reading all the stats about how that's, that's like the mother runner zone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's weird to say that it's my favorite distance because you know, it's so long and it's so hard. And, and like I said, I've, I've never really gotten to the point where I've thought, wow, yeah, I'm good at this. <laughs> but um, I think I love it because when I sign up for a half marathon, I just feel like I'm all in. I'm fully committed. Um, there's no getting out of training because if you don't do it, you just can't accomplish the goal. Whereas with a 5K or a 10K, I always manage to talk myself out of being fully in with the training. Sure, I feel like you can kind of just, you know, uh dial it up a little bit, right? When you get off the couch and just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. feels like a distance. It's so significant that you have to commit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with a 5k or a 10k, you should commit. Um, and I know reasonable human beings who do that all the time, but just the way my brain works, you know, if it's a shorter distance, I can make up all sorts of procrastinating excuses for, you know, wh why I'll catch up with my running later, or it's not that big of a deal if I fall behind. And then I end up not, you know, really performing that well. Whereas with a half, I feel like, okay, here's my schedule. I've got to be on it. If I fall behind, I know that it's really going to catch up with me. Um, 
but it still feels like I can live my life, if that makes sense. Like sure. no, absolutely. the second time I did a marathon, I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is taking over my entire existence. <laughs> yeah. Because it does. Guess what? It does. Well, and you also have a life, your entire existence. You're not, you know, you're not a pretty busy woman. You are the editor-in-chief of ESPNW um, <laughs> website. So um, a job that must have you on the run constantly. So how do you how do you balance, you know, your job and your mom and your running duties? I mean, what are some ways that you get it done? Well, to be honest, I'm struggling with that a lot right now. And I find myself not to be a total suck up, but I find myself going back to your first book a lot and, and saying, okay, I think I might have to start over from square one because, you know, when I first went back to running, I was working for myself. Um, I was doing digital strategy consulting. I was freelance writing and, you know, there's a, there's a, a level of control over your schedule. Um, you know, you have a lot of different bosses when you're a freelance uh, professional, but on the other hand, um, you know, when I decided, okay, the best way for me to cross train or get long runs in is early in the morning, I could just decide that I was going to become a morning person, be out on the road at 5 a.m. Um, and then in order to accomplish that, I could just go to bed, you know, at 8.30 or 9, put Maddie to sleep, go to bed really early, start really early, done. Um, and that's kind of how I worked it in with everything I was doing. With my job right now, so much of what we do is we react off of sports news and events, and all that stuff happens at night. So I've found stupid that, athlete. Yeah, you yeah. go to bed early. <laughs> that drives me bananas. But you know, a regular work schedule for me is you know normal business hours for meetings and things, and then you know we come home and have family time, and then all the games and things are on at night, and we're editing stories and reacting, you know, off of news events until you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm finding that my 5 a.m. runs just don't happen and I'm struggling actually to fit it in. So I don't know that I have a lot of good answers, but, you know, I'm trying to go back to basics where, you know, I try to schedule in the time on my calendar ahead of time, treat it like a meeting, um, not let people kind of encroach on that. But it's tough, to be honest. Oh, I can imagine. Well, do you have, is lunchtime run a possibility? Um, just a, a runch, a runch, as we call them. It should be right now. We, we we've got a lot of meetings um, with my group that are getting scheduled, like just that run straight through lunch. Um, so I think it's funny. I find myself reading a lot of you know productivity articles and a lot of things in Fast Company magazine where I feel like in order to get back to a running schedule that I'm excited about, I actually have to figure out how to get like my meeting schedule at the office under control. Yeah. Um, so that there's breathing space. Um, but I, well, I definitely think when the weather improves, things like that will be a little bit easier to do. Yeah. Well, you're the boss, right? I mean, you say, dude, I got to go. It's 12 o'clock. Or, or, or I'm, I'm watching. Yeah. Or have a <laughs> run meeting, watching? you know, M make your, you know, your editors run alongside of you or something like that. <laughs> I think that needs to be the new standard for anyone who wants to join our team. Come on exactly. a run with me. Exactly. Right, if right. you can't pitch me and run a 10 minute mile, then you can't be hired. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I get fired too then. <laughs> All right. Well, you're, you're the baseline pace, whatever that is. Well, yeah. you've gotten to interview um, a lot of professional athletes, not necessarily runners, but is there anything, you know, that stands out um, among the, the athletes that you have interviewed, especially the mothers and how they kind of get things done? Yes. And in fact, it was actually a runner. So I had the good fortune to interview Kara Goucher mm. uh, many years ago, actually, when she was just starting to think about becoming a mother. 
Um, and I remember being really fascinated by the fact that she was willing to just talk to us about, you know, how she wanted to get pregnant and she was struggling with it. And she was, you know, trying to figure out how do you balance training and then, you know, wanting to get pregnant. And then if she had a baby, how would she balance that with trying to be an elite athlete? Um, and it was just, it was really refreshing, first of all, that she was so open about talking about it. Um, because it's something that, and here's another slight non sequitur. I was reading a story this morning um, about Sheryl Sandberg's speech at Davos this week. Um, and she was talking about how the biggest thing that holds women back broadly, you know, in the, in the business world um, is the fact that in the workplace, we're not having more honest conversations um, among men and women about, you know, family plans and life goals. Um, and if it's if it continues to just be this whispered conversation off to the side that only happens among women, we kind of can't expect to see change in the world. Um, and so that actually made me think of this this Kara Goucher interview and and just the fact that she was straight up about all right this is this is a big deal for me and so is being an elite runner and I want to be great at both and so I just have to talk about it and think about it. Um, and that was actually you know a couple of years before I started thinking about having kids. Um, so that kind of always stayed with me. And then the other thing she said in that meeting, which now feels like something people talk about all the time, but for me it was a first at that moment, was she talked about having power words that she would discuss with her coach and decide upon in advance. Um, and she used different ones you know, at different moments in her training and in her racing. So she, she would have like you know, two or three different words that she would kind of call upon as like a mantra, depending on what sort of energy she was looking for herself. Um, looking for from herself during a run. Um, so, you know, if it was energy flagging and needing to, you know, find encouragement, maybe she would start to say the word power in her head over and over again. Or, you know, if she felt that she was off on her pacing, she would, you know, start to say the word steady. Um, and I, I sort of found that really interesting to think about trying to focus in on a single word or a single phrase that could kind of channel your energy when you need it to just kind of get back on track. I got to say that I, I got to hear Kara Goucher speak at a, an event right around the same time. I know it was before she had her son Colt and she talked about how the word believe meant a lot to her. And so I I've co-opted that and sometimes use that when, when, when I need to trust in my training or, you know, believe that I'm strong or something like that. So I definitely think there is a lot of power, particularly in just the single word mantra. Yeah, I agree. I, I also read somebody um, recently saying, you know, pick a word to be kind of your theme for the year. Mm. And so that's that's sort of what I decided to do. And I picked the word focus mm. um, for a lot of the reasons we were just talking about. You know, I have this role that's, um, you know, I'm eight months in, but it still feels pretty new, um, totally new schedule and lifestyle. And sometimes it just feels like with all the demands on, you know, my attention and my emotions and, you know, just just to say focus. Um, it kind of quiets everything down and brings it all in and feels like it could be useful running too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll then talking about 2015. So, so focus is your word. What are your fitness or running goals for the year? Number one, to really feel like I'm back into a groove with it, um, which is starting out strong. So I signed up for, um, speaking of the gouchers, I signed up for the 2015 and 2015 challenge. Um, cause I felt like I needed to just have a, have a, a really tangible goal. Um, so That's I'm on a team put on, on by run the edge, right. Which is Adam Goucher's 
company, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I've got two friends, um, one from high school who I actually just got back in touch with on Facebook. So I haven't even seen her in about 20 years. Um, and another friend who we've done the Nike women's half marathon together the last couple of years. Um, so the three of us will split up the 2015 miles among the three of us. And that's our commitment. And we check in with each other every month to make sure that we're hitting our mileage totals. So that's, that's my cool. big goal. Yeah. What's, what's, then, what's a mileage goal? I mean, so how do you split that three ways? Is it like, it's a, a little less than 700. So you're doing like 60 miles a month or something. Yeah. It's, I think it, it totals out to 50 something okay. a, a month. Um, which feels reasonable. Like, you know, I was only at, I think, 32 for January, but it felt like since I'm kind of, you know, hoping to build towards something that, you know, within a couple months, I'll be north of 50 and it'll feel like it's a reasonable goal. Absolutely. No, it's definitely doable. That's good. I love that. And I love the teamwork behind it too. That's very women's sportsy. Isn't it? I love it. And now I need to find a new race because I heard that, uh, that the Nike women's half is not going to be in DC again this spring. I know. I heard there. Uh, this could be a rumor, but uh, that they're going to Toronto. That's what I heard too. That the oh. San Francisco is going to stay as sort of the the mainstay event in October, and then they want to do a global race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Notice. yeah, that was my favorite one. I really loved the motivation to kind of stay with it through the winter, and then have that spring race as the the way to kind of kick off the the warm season. So I'm sad that they're not doing it this year. I have to find a new one. Yeah, and I, yeah. I heard that Gwen Stefani and Katie Perry are going to be there. No way. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm making up lies. Uh, Taylor say. Swift. Taylor Swift yeah. is going to be a sweeper. I'm so there. Oh, my gosh. I'm so there. <laughs> are they bringing the blue sharks from the Super Bowl? Exactly, that- right? Oh, gosh. I hope not. <laughs> and Snoop, palm trees. Just Snoop palm Lion trees. will be in there in dress as one of the sharks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, one anecdote, speaking of races, um, I seem to recall that you had a gear-related mishap the night before the New York City Marathon, or my misremembering. Remembering. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I just, I, can't even story. Believe, sure. I cannot even believe that that happened. It sounds, when I tell you, it just sounds so stupid. And uh, all right. So I was training for the New York city marathon. I, I had stayed with, you know, the, the program all the way through. I was, you know, being, you know, that sort of super prepared person. I laid out, you know, my, my running clothes, the way you always see everybody take those fabulous Instagram pictures where they show their running kit the day in advance. Um, and I was getting ready the day before the marathon and I couldn't find my shoes anywhere. Um, and I started kind of like working myself up into a frenzy where I was like running up and down the stairs in my house, looking for them and, you know, muttering and like, where could they be? And what am I doing? And, you know, and then I just kind of put it out of my head because I was thinking, well, you're being crazy. They're probably like in a closet somewhere. Um, but, you know, th- as the day went on, I was just thinking, you know, it's really, really strange that I don't have my running shoes when I went for, you know, my my last sort of little shake it off run the day before. Um, and just around like, I want to say it was like four in the afternoon or something or three in the afternoon. Um you know, I, I started really panicking and asking my husband if he had any idea where my shoes were. Um, and we found out that um, our cleaning lady, who had been there the day before, somehow got confused and thought that they were part of like a pile of stuff that I had been putting aside for Goodwill. Um, and she kind of knew my habits, which were that I would, you know, do the thing where you put the bag together and then, you know, it would be months before it would actually go out. So she thought she was doing us a favor by collecting all the stuff that was kind of in this corner of the bedroom and just getting rid of it for us. Um, and she had scooped out my running shoes along with the Goodwill stuff and she had donated everything. 
Um, Didn't you have orthotics in them too? Yeah, I had exactly. Because remember how I told you guys that um, when I ran the Honolulu Marathon 10 years earlier, Mm -hmm. I had ended with, you know, with a stress fracture in my right leg. And it was because, you know, I, I... just the way my feet were, were shaped, you know, I was kind of hitting the ground in an uneven sort of way. Um, and it was putting stress particularly on my, on my right leg. So when I decided to really embrace running, I went back to the orthopedist and they made orthotics for me and it was great. And, um, you know, in my head, those orthotics were the reason that I was capable of doing <laughs> this race. <laughs> so, oh. I mean, oh, it was awful. I was in hysterics, like full on hysterics. Just, I wasn't making sense, you know, hiccuping, crying, <laughs> like completely wigging out. You know, my husband's on the phone with our cleaning lady and he's like, okay, she donated them to a church. It's somewhere in downtown Newark. <laughs> we were like, can we go to the church? And she's like, no, you know, it was like a fair on, on that Saturday. I saw somebody walk away with them. Um, it was, it was just crazy. So we ended up on the phone with, um, you know, with, with my doctor, um, who tried to convince me that the training that I had done was going to be enough. Cause she was like, what orthotics do is they really just train your stride. So you've been doing this for months and months and months. Like you're not going to injure yourself. So if you can't get your hands on anything, it's okay. Um, but she sent me to like the local, you know, fleet feet, um, which then sent me to another local place that kind of did, like semi-custom, you could like mold them to your foot, like semi-custom warm orthotics. Up, warm, right, with heat. Up a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I ended up, and it was funny because I will never forget this. It was, it was a place that closed at four o'clock and this was all happening, you know, oh just gosh. a few minutes before four. And so my husband, again, he's like the hero, you know, he's on the phone with them and he's like, look, my wife's running the marathon tomorrow morning. She is freaking out. Can you please <laughs> keep your store open for like an extra 20 minutes? She's in the car. She's coming right now. <laughs> um, and this literally this this woman, she was amazing. She just opened, you know, she, the whole place was locked up and closed down. And then she saw me coming and she was like, I've been waiting for you. And she helped me, you know, get a pair. And uh, we fit them to my shoes and I ran in them. It was bananas. couldn't believe it I mean of all things right here I am trying to like do a marathon for the first time since deciding that the sport was too much for me um I just I I love that story I love I just love like good vicarious living and I love that it worked out in the end right you you had a good day right you're you're I did yeah it was totally fine I mean I remember like getting kind of sore feet around mile four I had like a little foot cramp around mile eight and those were things that had never happened before so I definitely attribute them to you know things feeling weird um you know but no injury or anything and I just um I actually took the opportunity to just um, take a lot of pictures along the way. So I kind of slowed down from what I normally would run. And um, I started a nice little tradition of taking Instagram photos and randomly posting to social media while I was running. Um, Perfect. Lemonade out of lemons, right? Yep, absolutely. It was fun. That's awesome. Well, so um, so we won't keep you because we know you've got to go, like you know, interview Hope Solo or something like that. But um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but we just want to know if you'll be able to join us on the twelfth in West Hartford. We're kind of springing March it 12th. on you. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, March twelfth. You in my new hometown? You're kidding. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. I would love to. Okay, great. Well, you'll be with um, Nicole Blades, who was our first mother runner essayist on. So the two of you will be there together. Um, and we're going to have a great night. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, and, I'm so excited. And and you cannot get away, though, without, um, we're going to be asking this of all our essays. Um, what three words best describe your running? Slow, 
uh, steady and I want to say pure. Nice. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allison Overholt, for joining us. Your essay is lovely in the book, as are you in person. And uh, see you in March. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. Great. Thanks a lot. You bet. Bye-bye. Okay, so her one word is focus for the year. Um, I, I know mine, but what's yours, Sarah? Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. Put me on the spot here. Um, we put her on the spot to have three words, so we can do yes. one word apiece. <laughs> oh, but are you saying my word for 2015 or my yeah, one word? Yeah, your word for 2015. Um, enjoy. Enjoy. I like it. I like it. Mine's patience. Mm, very good. Patience very good. is a revolutionary act around these parts. So. <laughs> yes, I read that on some website. I'm yes. not sure. Yes. You know what I got to say? So um, I should give a shout out. I... Um, Freedom, who is just whose name totally matches her spirit and her personality. She was on our Ragnar team in 2013. She sent me um, little, you know, race like lace things. You know, um, what are they called? Like lace plates or something like that. Oh yes, uh huh, yes, uh huh. They're like little tiny license plates for the um, top of where your laces are. Yes, exactly. License plates for your laces. Lace plates. <laughs> um, and one says patience, and the other says bammer. And uh, I'm like, okay, and I I'm not quite. Uh, Last week I was like, oh, like, oh, I'm running again. Look at that. Look at that. And now my foot's like, mm, not so quick. So I'm going to wait till I can actually run to put them on probably a brand new pair of shoes. But, um, but it was just like, I get, you know, and it's always nice to receive a gift, but something like that, that really like strikes you're like, oh my gosh, just oh, love. Oh, that was so thoughtful. I know. I know. She's, I mean, she's the epitome of thoughtfulness. I mean, and she's like a lot of kids, like she does have a lot five. of kids. Uh-huh. I mean, like, and I'm just like, how do you even do that? Oh, I know. And then she, I love that she always, uh, she is one of those people who pushes a jogging stroller. Like we were trying to come up with a word on the, on the podcast. And yeah. she, um, so, and she has her youngest who she du- has dubbed coach Curly and coach Curly is in the stroller that she pushes. And I just love whenever she talks about coach Curly. I know. I know. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, well, all right. Well, to find people like freedom and other mother runners, uh, please like us on Facebook. We are run like a mother, the book. Our websites are anothermotherrunner.com and motherrunnerstore.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at the Mother Runner. Our books, Run Like a Mother, Train Like a Mother, and Tales from Another Mother Runner, which Allison's essay is from, are available online and at um, local stores. And many happy miles to you wherever they take you. <laughs> <laughs>